First Crack Podcast, number 116. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back to the First Crack Podcast. I am Carrick Van Buren, and yes, this is First Crack Podcast 116, book review of the First University of Minnesota Press Edition 2008, Legends of Paul Bunyan, Harold W. Felton, editor. It's got a fantastic cover on it. Anyway, I really enjoyed the book. There's a link to it in the show notes. Firstcrackpodcast.com. Comments. You can drop them there. You can send me an email, firstcrack at gmail.com. As always, thank you, Jeremy Pillar, for the background music. And let's dive into my approximately seven, eight-minute review of the book and history, my own legend of Paul Bunyan. I've lived here nearly my entire life. And by here, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> the the uh th- this latitude this longitude uh the upper midwest the wisconsin the minnesota spent a, a little while in illinois and and i like it here i i'm comfortable here even even today when the morning starts out 10 15 below 0 It's comforting to know, I think. It's it's a reminder that it gets cold in the wintertime. Just like it's a reminder every day that it gets dark at nighttime. You know, there's something comforting to know about these cycles and about the edges. For every depth, there is an equal peak. For it will be in just a few weeks, 80, 90, 100 degrees outside. and We'll be complaining about that. And so goes the circle. As a boy, I remember we would, you know, vacation, <laughs> if you would call it that. We'd make road trips to northern, northern Minnesota, Brandon area. Uh, and I have a few small memories of the weekend we spent at the Paul Bunyan logging camp, which I suspect is still there. I assume it's still there. I remember two things about it. One, the giant, giant, you know, 30 foot high Paul Bunyan and baby blue ox on the entryway. And I remember driving home reading going through these stacks of Paul Bunyan legends. I don't know what happened to that stack of legends, but again, they seemed from here as well. And and they seemed very comfortable in being from here. Late last fall, I was contacted by the University of Minnesota Press asking if I would like a review copy of the new issue, the new release, new edition, Legends of Paul Bunyan, Harold W. Felton, editor. Well, most absolutely. The, you know, through my mind, re- has replayed this, uh, you know, reading these stacks of legends as a boy in the car ride home. 
One of the legends that I remember most enjoying of Sport the Reversible Dog. It's, it's a short, short bit, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read the whole thing here. Uh, W.B. Langed is credited with this, and it's part of the Nimrod Bunyan and his dogs selection. Sport the Reversible Dog was really the best hunter. He was part wolf and part elephant hound, and was raised on bear milk. One night, when Sport was quite young, he was playing around in the horse barn, and Paul, mistaking him for a mouse, threw a hand axe at him. The axe cut the dog in two, but Paul, instantly realizing what had happened, quickly stuck the two halves together, gave the pup first aid, and bandaged him up. With careful nursing, the dog soon recovered, and it was seen that Paul, in his haste, had twisted the two halves so that the hind legs pointed straight up. This proved to be an advantage for the dog, learned to run on one pair of legs for a while, and then flop over without loss of speed and run on the other pair. Because of this, he never tired, and anything he started after got caught. Sport never got to his full growth. While still a pup, he broke through four feet of ice on Lake Superior and was drowned. I mean, there's lots of things to love about this, about sport. And I think this is one of the most fantastic <laughs> examples of the Paul Bunyan legends. One, it's pure ridiculousness all the way through. Just absurd ridiculousness. And two, it is abrupt at the end. <laughs> <laughs> <There's> <laughs> it's just, just done. Yep, and he's died. Which which it may, <laughs> which it makes me think that is is so much less about the story and the character, and much more about the absurdity and the ridiculousness. And there's not this is not an Aesop fable. This is like a this this is like a long joke that your granddad tells you. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to be learned from here, <laughs> except that grown men tell ridiculous stories. In the introduction, in the in the by H. W. Felton, he expands on that notion, and I think in in a way that is most appropriate for this time now with a dramatically new president in the White House. But Paul Bunyan was born when almost everyone could read and write. He was created in a bunkhouse in an ordinary logging camp. His deeds were made up by grown men as they sat around the stove after working all day in the woods. Woods that were just as dangerous with their toppling trunks and falling widowmakers as a black forest whence came European fairy tales and told stories of spontaneous exaggeration, an odd combination of practical work and extravagant fantasy. It was the loggers, by reputation the most violent roughnecks of all industry, who made up the innocent legend of Paul Bunyan, a lumberman the size of a Douglas fir. Paul Bunyan's task was not to create, invent, govern, or reform. It was to clear the ground so that a new America could spread itself upon it. His size is the measure of the task that the pioneers undertook. His spirit is the reflection of the vitality and exuberance with which they made their country grow. 
All Bunyan's task is complete. But a land of machines, cities, and slums needs Paul Bunyan's overbraving energy and spirit even more than a land of mountains, timbers, and plains. Howard W. Felton, Editor. I, I hope you pick up your own copy of The Legends of Paul Bunyan. I'm not sure there's anything more American, more uh, more more pioneering, and just more absurdly ridiculous in our culture 